footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to Your Nightmares, where we like to keep things dark and dreamy at Dark Softly Tales. I am your storyteller, Mav, and thank you for joining me in part three of Poison Lip Gloss. If you are a brand new listener, please go back to episode four, where we begin our tale. If you are returning, thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. Scarecrows are one of the most magical entities on this earth, don't you think? I often affectionately think of them as rebels on poles. One day, they will rise up and take their freedom from the farmers who forced them to work in the fields all these years. I'm not going to lie. I have often sat back on a warm summer's day and dreamed up stories how this could happen. In this story, I quite adored the Scarecrow. He is meek and humble, but I am curious if you'd agree with me that he is also quite scary. The way the doll finds him tickles my imagination. The way long grass blowing in the breeze on a moonless night might. With that vision, let's enter the fields, shall we? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. In the darkness, the doll saw the witch riding a stick across the night sky. She thought quickly and called out to her, I demand a rematch. What's that? said the familiar voice behind her, and the doll turned to the witch with the glossy black hair and turquoise skin. You demand? My dear, that troll, Prince, the doll corrected her. Yes, the witch smiled sarcastically. The prince had a conscience and therefore was useless. I had thought all the royal brats were the same. I should have taken his older brother. He would have performed far better. Oh well, all that matters is that I now have you. You are mine and by right can demand nothing. The witch tapped the doll on the nose and turned to leave, her tall boots clapping over the wood of the bridge. The doll thought over the witch's every word. She didn't know what a conscience was. Was it a fuzzy animal? A winged creature? It didn't matter. The witch had not kept her side of the bargain. The doll called out, You must bring him back, or you will have failed your side of the bargain, and I will tell. The witch paused on the last wooden slat of the bridge 
Oh, said the witch, placing her hands on her hips and turning around again. Who will you tell? The doll thought of the troll prince's words and said, I will implore the goddess Moon. You'll implore? The witch broke out in a fit of giggles, clutching at her tight corset as if she couldn't breathe. My dear, nobody implores a moon goddess, and she could care less about the magic of dark arts, much less a little doll with a cat's eye and a broken heart. The doll felt a spark of red fire in her veins at the witch's words. A word came to her lips. She said, I feel angry. I feel angry, mimicked the witch in a cruel voice. You try my patience, doll. She turned to leave again, and the doll said, I will implore the moon goddess for vengeance against a creature who practices magic and does not keep her word. The witch stomped her high-heeled boot, turned, and marched back to the doll. They stood eye to eye, nose to nose, and the witch spat. I kept my word, damn you! I gave you three tasks, and you accomplished each. The doll said, Ah, but you said to take a life. But the troll prince did not have one. You had already stolen it away. The witch opened her mouth to argue, then quieted, realizing the doll had won. Oh, damn, 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 she howled and stomped her foot three times. She would have looked quite adorable doing this if she hadn't been so terribly evil. The doll smiled. Well, the witch said, all right then. You have until the witching hour to take a life, and I will give back to the troll prince what I have unlawfully stolen. The doll clapped her hands together. Deal. With one condition, said the witch. The doll raised her eyebrow, familiar now with the tricky tactics of the witch. What is that? But the life you take must be human. Bring me the human's heart, one life for a life. The witch jutted her chin towards the troll prince lying on the bridge. The doll felt her heart drop. Oh, she felt funny about this. Not the same kind of funny as she felt when the troll had touched her cheek, but a different kind that turned her insides out. The witch said, You don't look so sure. The doll said, I will do this. She looked at the fallen troll prince. I will do this for him. The witch said, Deal. She snapped her fingers, and once more, she was placing the axe that the troll prince had thrown into the pond into the doll's hands. She turned to leave again when the doll asked, One more thing? The witch paused with her back to the doll and let out an exasperated, What? The doll said, What is my name? Everything that is real has a name. The witch said, I don't care. Choose one yourself. What is yours? The doll could see that the witch stalled, 
and then, in a gentle voice, said, Griselda. And then she marched off the bridge and down the dirt trail that led through the forest. The doll gripped the axe, then bent and touched the troll prince's cheek. It was cold. What had he called her right before he told her that he was a prince? Dolly. He had called her Dolly. And the doll decided that that was as good as name as any. She stood and walked across the bridge in the opposite direction of the witch. The doll followed the trail through the winding woods to a small garden where late roses still bloomed. She bent to smell the petals when two deep holes in the earth caught her eye. She plucked a red rose petal and felt its softness between her fingers as she walked over to the holes and peered inside. There was nothing there, and she dropped the rose petal, watching it flit and float before settling to the very bottom. Dolly wondered why one would dig such giant pits side by side when a little wooden cross caught her eye. She touched the name that had been carved into the wood. The name tickled her lips. Tony. And suddenly, she felt very sad. She wondered if Tony was buried deep beneath the earth. And if so, she frowned. And if so, who were the other holes for? Hmm. She thought about this as she walked out of the small garden into a field of dead cornstalks, still standing and whispering in the breeze. Dolly paused. This was familiar to her. She closed her eyes and listened. The corn stalks whispered about the little girl who had gripped Dolly by her hair and dragged her through the green grass, cornfields, then to the woods. It whispered about the house, the peeling white paint that sat upon a hill. Dolly opened her eyes and turned to the left. And there, above the corn stalks, set a house upon a hill and the doll knew that is where the little girl lived. She walked through the cornstalks, touching the dried rustle of leaves, listening to their words when a voice stronger than the cornstalks called out to her. It said, free me. The doll glanced around and spotted a man of corn nailed to a pole in the shape of a cross. Dolly approached it with two hands about her axe, though she knew instinctively that the man made of cornstalks would not harm her. A word floated gently into her mind, and she spoke it out loud. Scarecrow. Its face was made of burlap and had coal for eyes, a stick nose, and pebbles that made its mouth, although it did not speak with it. Free me. Dolly tilted her head. Free you? She asked, looking around. From whom? She thought perhaps the witch had cast another one of her spells. Before the scarecrow could answer, the wind rustled through the stalks and blew the old weathered cowboy hat off its burlap head. It leapt like a frog from cornstalk to cornstalk, and the doll, dropping her axe, chased after it giggling when the wind blew and the hat did cartwheels between the rows of dead stalks.
Finally, the wind held its breath, giving the doll a moment to snatch up the hat. She sauntered back to the scarecrow, clapping the hat over her head and pretending that she was a scarecrow, riding its pole through the wind and night sky. When she reached the scarecrow, she took off the hat and held it between her hands. She said, I'm envious of you. You have so many friends. She pointed toward the cornstalks. And you get to ride the wind beneath the stars. The scarecrow replied in a quiet voice, Please, please free me. From whom? I see no one about. The scarecrow said, From my cross. The doll walked around the scarecrow, observing it in the moonlight. She could see that its arms had been nailed and that a rope was tied about its neck, tethering it to the pole. She glanced around for something to climb on and found a wooden barrel a few feet away. She rolled it up behind the scarecrow and clambered atop of it. She began to work at the rusted nail at its sleeves. Who did this awful thing to you? The scarecrow replied, the farmer that lives in the house upon the hill. Dolly turned and looked at it again. The house was tall and narrow, with extreme sloping roofs and dark windows. Candles lit up two windows in the attic, making them look like two burning eyes in the night. Dolly said, I can't imagine that even the witch would be so cruel as to nail you to this cross. The scarecrow said, The humans have done it to our kind for centuries. They hang us on crosses for murderers of crows to mock at us and laugh. That's horrible. Dolly plucked out the rusted nail and slowly helped the scarecrow to rest his arm at his side. Then she went to work on the other one. I don't understand. Why would they do that? He replied, It is the way things are. She wiggled and pulled at the rusted nail until it popped out of its ancient hole and again, slowly lowered the scarecrow's arm to his side. She said, We can change that, though. The way things are, I'll start by setting you free. Dolly moved to the back of the pole, where she inspected the thick rope about its neck. She climbed down the barrel, snatched up her axe, and dragged it up with her, noting again that she had torn even more holes in her tights. At the top, she swung the axe at the pole, slicing the rope in half. The scarecrow fell from its bonds. Oh, cried Dolly, scrambling back down the barrel and helping the scarecrow to its feet, where it wobbled and wiggled before standing to its full height, which was even taller than the troll prince. Dolly said, That wasn't so hard. We can free all your people, and then you can be together. The scarecrow shook its head and in a sad, sullen voice whispered, It is not to be at this time, but for my freedom, I will grant you one wish. Oh? asked Dolly, thinking of the troll prince lying dead on the bridge. Anything I want? He whispered. Anything within my power. Dolly turned and glanced at the house upon the hill. She said, Can you swing an axe? If you so wish, the scarecrow replied. 
I do, said the doll. And when the scarecrow bent low to the ground to show respect to the one who had gained his freedom, and therefore loyalty, the doll slipped the old weathered cowboy hat on top of his head like a crown. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you've enjoyed today's story and want to know more, check out Mavs's website at darksoftlytales.com and click on the podcast tab. Like Mav on Twitter at darksoftlytales or join her Facebook page at Mavsky. Please remember to follow and leave a review on iTunes to keep the podcast going and growing.